0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast. This is episode number 187. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we're joined by Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin?
1: I'm a bit cold.
0: I'm actually a bit cold as well. What's what's the temperature like there?
1: I don't know. Cold.
0: Yeah, it's a bit cold here too. I was out and about yesterday walking around and uh yeah, it was like 52 or something. I was like, "What what is this?"
1: Uh, yeah, I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I don't like it either. All right. This week on the show, got a an indie comedy sandwich planned. So we're gonna be talking about uh, a wonderful cloud. Which for some reason, that's one of those titles where I consistently forget the the name. I consistently forget the title. Like when I was getting my notes ready and stuff and logging in on Letterboxd, I kept forgetting. Like, what? Wait a minute. What is it? What is the name? Did we ever find out what's the release date for that? Ah, uh, okay. I think that it's available <laughs> now on microsoft devices but what on Zooms? no like on xbox maybe i don't know i looked it up on wheretowatch.com and it says microsoft and then it has the uh, price but all the all the emails that i got about it say next week so it'll definitely be available in limited release and on video on demand next week it might be available on microsoft this week i'm not exactly sure Uh, We're also going to be talking about *Beasts of No Nation*, which uh, premiered on Netflix and in theaters this weekend. And we're also going to be talking about *L for Leisure*, and that's available on the *L for Leisure* website, so you can see it on there. We're also going to be going over some of what we've been watching this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, DVD blu releases. Thank you so much for being with us, whether you're watching on the live stream or if you're watching or listening to the the replay or the audio version excited to have you with us you can tune in every sunday morning normally sometimes we have to rearrange it but yeah. normally every sunday 11:30 a.m eastern time we're live on youtube let us know uh, what you think of the movies we're talking about feel free to drop us a comment or talk to us in the chat i'll be trying to keep an eye on that before we jump into our first review a couple quick things to go over um I posted a new film, Pulse plays this week, so you can see that on our YouTube channel. I talked to, I played the Goosebumps game, which is like a point and click game. Not very good, but uh, you can you can check that on, on on there if you're curious to see what that game is like. I had a decent time with it. It wasn't great, but you can see that on there. Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out, and I wanted to do this last week, and I and I apologize, but I totally forgot. Uh, a guy by the name of Rick. Kachka, who I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, but he made this sort of project called Consumption Optional, and I first found out about it from uh, one of the directors of Rewind This on Twitter. He mentioned it, and then I started talking to him about it, and then I eventually got Rick's info, and he sent me a copy of this uh, DVD called Consumption Optional, and basically what it was is he had this massive collection of Uh, VHS tapes of TV shows and things that he recorded from I believe it was 1981 to 1984 and what he did was he took all the commercials that were in those tapes and kind of uh, curated them and compiled them into one DVD and it's it was was a trip it was a trip to watch this thing because it's just all old commercials but some of them are so weird and it was so weird that it seemed like everything back then had a jingle. Every commercial had a jingle. Oh
1: yeah, you gotta have that jingle. You just don't. No, have... it's the only way you can sell things,
0: Adam. You just don't have the jingle anymore. But some of them were really funny. Some of them were kind of odd, and uh, it was it was great. And I want to thank uh, Rick for sending that my way because I had a I had a blast with it. All right, let's uh let's dive into our first review. We're gonna talk about A Wonderful Cloud first. This is directed by Eugene culturally. Yanko? Koltorenko?
1: That sounds pretty close. It's,
0: clo- it's close, I think.
1: Man, we're getting so much better at this.
0: Yeah. This stars Caitlin Scheel and Eugene Kolt- <laughs> Uh And I
1: yeah. promise
0: that is the last time I will attempt <laughs> to pronounce his name. <laughs> So, uh, I do have a synopsis here. Let me go ahead and read this. Spend 72 hours with Caitlin and Eugene, ex-lovers, cum business partners, as they navigate the future of their relationship. Uh, you have a, you have a, uh, review for this that's coming out very soon. So I think I'll start this one off. Not a big fan, honestly. I, you know, it's weird. The whole time it just felt like some sort of, uh, jab against, uh, L.A., people that to bad. me it felt like there were a lot of jabs against la people which i don't have a problem with i thought it was funny but the problem that I, the biggest problem that i have was that it just felt uh it was just too dry there just wasn't enough comedy there the only parts that i actually laughed at i think were was the the scene when they went to um the print the the girl's house to print something out to use her printer and i thought i thought that that was funny but Overall, I just uh, it was just a little meh for me. There just wasn't a lot there.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I did the I thought it worked best when it was Caitlin Shield and Eugene. Just the the chemistry between those two and the banter between those two, I thought was I thought was good stuff. But I, everything else, like the little comedic sidebars, like the scene that you mentioned, I didn't quite like that. The everything with the neighbor felt superfluous oh yeah i didn't like like any of that i mean the creepiness yeah there was just too much to handle
0: i think a lot of it is needlessly gross too yeah i I didn't it's like
1: eugene's eugene's current girlfriend you know everything that happens with that is just ridiculous and outlandish and no, it just didn't work at all for me
0: it just seemed like everybody in this was living in this world where they where they were all way too comfortable with each other
1: <laughs> yeah I just I don't every time it took those those turns outside of the central storyline of you know Caitlin and Eugene it just none of absolutely none of that worked for me
0: mm. at all mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm
1: it's just distracting superfluous i don't need it except for i mean john enos was kind of fun it was fun seeing john enos playing a ridiculously wealthy clothier because mm-hmm. i for whatever reason to me john enos just happens to be like the funniest straight man in comedy
0: hmm. you should check I out seen him uh, for so long he was in a uh, video game high school that that show oh, yeah. on youtube yeah he was in that show
1: yeah, I don't think I've seen him since Mr. Show.
0: And I uh, I just saw him in a movie that I'm going to be talking about in uh, just a little bit. Oh, you know? shit. John Eno's yeah. comeback. Yeah, a little bit of a John Ines comeback here. Nice. I just... Uh, I There wasn't much to it for me. I just didn't... I didn't find a lot of it funny. I didn't find a lot of it very compelling. Uh, visually, it was average to me. I think it's interesting because aren't... Are they... What's the story behind this? They're actually... Uh,
1: they're apparently they're real life exes Yeah, and so it's kind of a you know one of those fiction, fiction or fiction hybrids, whatever you want to call it. You know, and how they, kind of, they work in Caitlin Shields' footage that she takes with her smartphone, which I really didn't see any need for that. Yeah, like I I understand it to an extent because you're kind of like blurring the line between fiction and reality, but it just it. it again that didn't work for me either
0: but also that that may only really work if you actually know that they're real life exes you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah and i mean but a lot of the footage that she's taking with it it doesn't really you know there's really not anything it. yeah it doesn't add anything to it outside of like oh okay so this is like slightly documentary
0: but 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 i was asking myself how much of this is documentary i mean it, they're still essentially on a, on making a movie. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I just
1: that's why it's and I kind of uh, touch on that in my review is that like one paper it's an intriguing concept, but the actual execution of it and the final product just it's it's far from that I thought. And then much like you, the a lot of the like the cinematography and the actual execution of everything, all of it's kind of just average. There's nothing really to latch on here, except for me the the end when they go to the Fourth of July yeah party. There's some stuff that comes out, especially the the the, the uh, drone footage that he mm-hmm. uses yeah at the I end which I thought was fantastic. I like it, but it's kinda, it's a bit it's a bit uh, too little too late.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on that. I just don't have a lot to say about this one. It just felt like. A, a a very generic indie comedy to me. There was just there yeah. was not a lot that stuck out. I mean, the only stuff that really stuck out for me was the gross out stuff. Yeah, but which
1: there because there's like the central storyline is again it's pretty engaging and I like the way that they handle it and like the emotional minefield that they're navigating. But then everything on the outside of that is just so juvenile. Mm-hmm. It just really undermines everything. Yeah. I'm with you. There's not there's not a whole lot to say with this. It's pretty uh it's pretty forgettable, unfortunately.
0: Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately I'm struggling to come up with more things <laughs> to talk about in this review and I can't even uh and I just watched it last night too and I'm like, uh Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know what to say.
1: What about, you know, licking armpits. Licking licking, armpit.
0: ar- licking some armpits, pooping in some shoes sure probably probably shouldn't that's a little bit of a spoiler but
1: yeah but (laughs) i mean if that's that's you know what you're spoiling if we're considering that a spoiler you kind of kind of gives you an idea of what you're working with here
0: now what i'm wondering is do they do, do the two of these people do they live in new york or do they live in la that's what i'm wondering i don't know like, did did she actually end up moving to LA? Was was he living in LA?
1: Perhaps. Because it, like, it felt like it felt like a
0: it felt like a New York movie that was kind of taking the piss out of LA people. You know, like that's kind of the one thing that New Yorkers and LA people like to do. Yeah. Is take the piss out of each other.
1: Taking the piss out. Take it. Yeah. Like, I up. guess I
0: don't know. <laughs>
1: if you're interested in seeing that. Yeah. That hasn't been done before.
0: <laughs> never seen that. <laughs>
1: I've uh, never seen, never seen people be judgmental about another city and people that live
0: in it. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, Good talk. Yeah. Good talk. I, I apologize. <laughs> I just don't. I don't have a lot to say about this one.
1: I, I don't either.
0: Let's just give it. Let's just give it a score. We're we're struggling, and it's, and it's starting to sound pathetic. So let's just. Much, much
1: like the people in the movie, because they're all, they're all different levels of pathetic. Yeah,
0: this was a Manila folder for me. I'm giving it a five out of ten.
1: Five out of ten. I'm going five and a half.
0: Five and a half out of ten. There you go. That's a wonderful cloud. Uh, Definitely on demand and in limited release next weekend. You might be able to find it now, apparently on Microsoft platforms. But I don't know. It had a really weird, really weird release uh, thing. So. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Beasts of No Nation. This this one is uh, directed by Kerry Fukunaga. Although I guess is he going by Kerry Joji Fukunaga now? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Just just recently I noticed that he he was using the uh the middle the middle name. I have a synopsis Damn. here. A drama based on the experiences of Agu, a child soldier fighting in the civil war. Of an unnamed African country, this stars Abraham Atta and Idris Elba. Uh, Kevin, why don't you start us off with this one? What did you think of *Beast of No Nation*? *Beast of No Nation*, I thought was, I thought it was all right. Uh,
1: I think it's <laughs> not a lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple things. Number one, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hodgepodge of essentially all other war films it doesn't seem to have like its own voice really i thought it spends entirely too much time focused on idris elba's character and i don't think elba's performance was that particularly strong when you compare it to the performances of everyone else because i thought abraham atab was absolutely fantastic and it kind of made elba's performance look a bit a bit amateurish. Hm.
0: I disagree with you on that. I thought that I thought that he did a great job, but I thought I, I thought, thought just, everybody did a great job.
1: I thought he was just hamming it up a bit too much. But that's everyone else felt so genuine and just giving really like naked performances. I don't know. He's just a bit over the top
0: for me. But to me, that was that was the character. Like, they they made a point to show him, you know, staring at the, kind of, the throne. You know, that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the... Yeah. He wanted that throne. So, naturally, which is the, he... Which
1: is kind of the problem that I have with this film, is that you have such a, a much more compelling narrative with the child soldier, and you give the, the illusion that, that that's what this film is actually about. But there's not that much going on with the kid you all of your time is focused on idris elba which is kind of like false advertisement here
0: well i think i i understand having him in there because idris elba turned into a, basically a father figure to this kid yeah but i do understand what what you're saying where i think that maybe there should have been more uh, plot that happens that kind of shapes This kid's personality and things that happen that, you know, we can see more about what happens to this kid. Yeah, because I thought that that would have
1: been a much more, I mean, I don't want to say it would have been a fresher viewpoint because there has been films about, you know, obviously child soldiers and everything. But I thought that it was a much more comparatively speaking to Idris Elba's narrative. You had a lot more going on with the kid. And then that should get explored more because we've already seen the, you know, the guy ravaged by war and he becomes obsessive and he kind of loses his mind because he gets obsessed with power. Yeah. And he turns into a raven lunatic, even though he already kind of was one to begin with. Just a more egregious version of one.
0: Yeah,
1: It's just, it's kind of like a man. I've seen that before.
0: Uh, yeah, I've seen it before, but I don't, I don't think that that necessarily is a bad thing. I think that people should always be cognizant of this, yeah. this type of thing going on in the world. And I
1: just thought it as slightly disappointing. Especially when, you know, your synopsis and your posters and everything is kind of putting a goo front and center like, this is about a child soldier fighting in the war. It's like, okay. And then, like, you know, 60% is, or 70% of it is Idris Elba and you're like, wait a second. What's going
0: on here? Yeah, I guess. I guess I can see that 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 didn't really bother me i i didn't i thought the movie was gonna completely wreck me like emotionally but it, it didn't actually there were some really there's some really intense stuff in this movie no doubt yeah. no doubt about oh. that and i thought at the beginning the whole build-up to what happens was was quite effective. And, like, I was just... Because I knew where I was going to go, obviously. So, yeah. during that whole build-up where we see his home life and we see his his, the, his great family and all this stuff, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to wreck me. This is going to destroy me. It's going to tear at my soul. But uh, for some reason, it, it, it really didn't. Now, that's not to say I didn't feel emotional about it, but it just didn't pack uh, the wallop that I expected it to. Yeah, I would agree. And I, And I'm not you know i don't i don't know if, there's why definitely, but...
1: there's definitely a couple of
0: scenes that, that get yeah oh yeah oh yeah i mean there's some there's some major stuff that happens i mean there's obviously this is a, this is a movie about war and it's not like you know a clean war it's it's a very dirty horrific war so n- not that not that all Dang, wars aren't dirty is... or horrific but you know these these types of wars are particularly nasty Especially
1: when you get those machetes involved. Yeah. And you exactly have a particularly
0: gruesome machete
1: it, scene yeah, in there.
0: Yeah. It it is a violent movie and it is a movie that at times is difficult to watch, but at times I think that this movie is absolutely gorgeous. Some of the cinematography in this looks incredible.
1: Yeah, they there's there's a number of sequences. Uh especially that one where they kind of tint the landscape.
0: Yeah, when it's red. When and what was like that? Print? That was
1: after. Yeah, that was after he had the brown brown. Yeah. Put right. on his forehead, so yeah. it kind of goes into this hallucination type sequence. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was particularly strong. the The one where he's navigating the trenches.
0: That was amazing. That was my favorite, and you can and see that. Blood water. Yeah, yeah, you can see that in the in the trailer, and that was uh...
1: fantastic. And the the initial when he runs away and he's running through the bush, kind of just on his own. I mm-hmm. thought that that was particularly well done. Kind of, you know, using the, the wide-angle shots, showing him as just like a little dot. Yep. yep. How alone he is. Yeah. But it's just, it just feels like a missed opportunity. There could have been so much more here. It could have been so much more powerful.
0: You mean visually or plot-wise? Plot-wise. Along with the
1: visuals, because you kind of have the visuals there, but, you know, kind of like you're saying, there's not there's not that emotional impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I would agree. It is kind of a, kind of a missed opportunity. Cause the, the visuals, like, at times were really strong. And at times they were just, you know, they weren't bad, but they were just n- regular. They were just normal. Just regular yeah. old. But then they're like, <laughs> you have this, like, you have these kind of accents. He's like sprinkled in bits where you're just like, holy crap, that looks amazing. There was yeah. one, it was a really simple shot of just like him. It was just like a, A front-facing shot of him just kind of standing there in the foreground, and it almost looked like it was a photograph. It looked really, really awesome. It was just like him standing in a village or something, and that that really looked amazing.
1: And I think that a lot of this comes back to, again, to I think they just focused too much time on the Idris Elba character. There's just too much time spent with him talking to, you know, his soldiers. Right. And the, talking about what he wants.
0: Yeah, the way the way that it's structured is different than I expected. I expected this to be following this kid's life from before he became a soldier to when he first got recruited to, you know, when his evolution into this kind of battle-hardened child soldier and it's sort of that, but it, it like you said, the perspective changes to Elba's character uh, quite a bit, and it I guess maybe that's one of the things that kind of mutes the emotional impact of it, because it, what I think. It, it temporarily disconnects us from uh, the kid, and yeah. I think that that maybe is why that, that occurs, that kind of disconnect.
1: And especially after, when it gets to the point where he, Elba, meets face-to-face with the I forget what the guys, what was he, like, the Supreme Commandant or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And then it takes, you know, this completely different path with Elba. And for me, all that just felt shaky. Like, it just, we, like, fast-forwarded through everything. And just, it really fell apart for me at that point. And then it finally comes back to the kid. But it feels like we've been far too removed from it. That it's kind of, you know, like you said, it kind of mutes it. Mm Mm-hmm. It kind of undercut everything that we had before. We were too far removed from it, and it just didn't have that impact of that ending.
0: Yeah, I will say that I did like the ending. I like I like how it all turned out. I mean, it's it's uh, something of a hopeful ending, but I was still glad yeah, to see it.
1: Yeah, as, as hopeful as you can get. Yeah, as hopeful as you can get. Considering everything that happens.
0: But yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. It was. I like. I liked it overall. But I do agree with, you know, the criticisms that you have with it.
1: I mean, I like it overall, but, you know, it's not. This isn't uh, ending up in any top ten. Or oh, no, 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 no. Anything like that. No,
0: it just, it wasn't nearly as powerful as I expected it to be. And, you know, maybe that's on me, but. Maybe it is on
1: Maybe you did fuck up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> It's so all goddamn full.
0: Mm, My expectations were just too high for this one.
1: <laughs> Learn how to watch a fucking movie. Jeez.
0: I don't know. I, I guess I was just expecting something uh, more emotionally draining. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't quite get that. I mean, obviously, I felt for uh, for Agu, and I and I wanted things to to turn out good for just, him. You, but... you
1: just wanted it to go back to him and his imagination. T V. Yeah, because exactly. I could have watched. I could have watched that as a movie. I could have watched that for two hours. to Them just doing that imagination TV.
0: Yeah, that'd have been great. That was actually awesome. How they framed that because that that actually looked really cool.
1: <laughs> I loved it.
0: Yeah. you wanted to go back there. Yep. But... Um. Yeah, I think it's interesting that this is. Uh, I don't know if this is the first movie that Netflix is has done where they it's been simultaneously released in theaters and on netflix at the same time
1: i think it is
0: it's interesting because i feel like this is a movie that easily could have just come out in theaters yeah and because i don't know if if that uh if it still qualifies for for awards consideration because it came out on netflix at the same time i'm not sure how that all works
1: oh i'm sure the studios aren't gonna let let that work out I'm yeah. sure they'll have some sort of...
0: But who knows? Well, prob- who knows? there's probably... They might be forced to, but... Right, because there's probably nothing written about that yet, you know? It's just...
1: I mean, it, I thought it, it's great that I'm able to see it, Netflix, day of release. But with it being a war movie, this is something that you need to see on a big screen.
0: Right, right. and And I kind of regret seeing it at home, because it is playing here, and... Oh, so you
1: actually have the ability to see it. Yeah. Theater setting.
0: Yep. Which you know,
1: that that obviously that could play a part.
0: It could play a big part, yeah. Because I'm usually more emotionally more, attached to yeah. to a movie.
1: You're more immersed into the right, experience right. Exactly. when you're in a theater setting.
0: And it, that's the beauty
1: that's the beauty of a movie theater.
0: Right. When you have the giant screen, the loud, you know, the the great acoustics and the great sound and yeah. It's it's way more immersive.
1: That's the that's the the entire magic of cinema It's kind of based around that. It's that you go into this dark room with strangers mm-hmm. and nothing else exists except for what's on a screen.
0: Yeah, so maybe it would have been more effective. I mean, that's uh, there was uh, I guess it was this week, and this is getting going off on a little sidetrack, but I I don't know if you saw that Tarantino is releasing two different versions of the Hateful Eight. Yeah. And the, the 70 millimeter version is actually longer. It's an extended version of of the film. And it's actually going to have an overture and an intermission in it. And with the multiplex version, he's actually adding more cuts into a lot of the scenes. Because as it turns out, a lot of the scenes are very long single-take shots. And he feels like it's not going to translate as well in the multiplex so he's cutting it up differently whereas the 70 mm version which is designed for you know the large large screens is going to be uh longer takes in the scenes so I, I think that just going back to the whole theater thing i think that there is something to be said about the theater experience i mean a lot of people oh, could you know i i could tell you about when i saw uh was the uh, avatar james cameron's avatar and I saw it in the theater, saw it in a giant theater in 3D, and I thought it was incredible. Saw it at home, thought it was garbage. Oh so. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: especially with those those types of uh, spectacle movies, you kind
0: of you kind of castrate them a little bit when you watch them at home.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not the full experience.
0: Yeah, so I think with Beast of No Nation," yes, I think it would have been more impactful if I saw it at a theater, but. With movies like this, I think that they need to they need to be able to stand on their own, regardless of the format that you see them in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because because a film like this is designed, to, it's not about the necessarily. It's not about the uh, the scenes of war. It's about the impact that the war has on the main character, who's a child. Yeah. So well,
1: unfortunately, you, you, you don't get to see much of.
0: You know, you get to see maybe eh, I don't know three. Three major scenes that happen, three or four major scenes that happen, and then the rest of it is just him kind of uh, internally dealing with the stuff that he's been through. So maybe if there were more, like, set pieces or specific things that occurred to him during this. I just, yeah, for me, I just wish it it
1: focused solely on him and that we didn't have the, you know, uh, the big ticket attraction of Idris Elba kind of taken over. Yeah, I thought it would worked much better.
0: Yeah, although I will I will say that I thought that Idris Elba did a great job with it.
1: I thought, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought he was good, but just you know, unfortunately for him, comparatively speaking, everyone else around him
0: yeah, did yeah, such great performances. Well, but
1: and he just kind of sticks out like a sore
0: thumb. Yeah, because he's Idris Elba. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, maybe if some of these other actors in this film were people that you knew, maybe it would they would stick out more, too. I mean, Idris Elba is a big Hollywood name now. Yeah. So I think just because you knew him could affect that. Oh, definitely. But either way, I, I thought he nailed the role, and I thought everybody did a fantastic job. So, in summation, visuals on point, acting on point. I like the music a lot, too, actually. The score was yeah, The score was pretty good. The score was really good. Um, the only thing that was lacking was kind of just uh, a, little, a little bit lacking in the plot and storytelling department.
1: Yeah, the emotional weight just wasn't there.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and give this a score. Kevin, what are you going to give "Beast of No Nation?
1: Oh, "Beast of No Nation. I'm going to give you a six and
0: a half. I'm going to give this one a seven. All right. I was, thinking, I was thinking
1: seven. I was thinking.
0: Yeah, it was it was solid. wasn't quite as uh quite what I expected, but uh, still still a solid. Watch. Let's move on. And talk about our final film of the day, and that's L for Leisure. This is directed by Whitney Horn and Lev Kalman. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Art house comedy set in 1992 to 1993, following awkward graduate students on vacation. All around the world. Now, with this one, I'll I'll start it off because uh, you you have a review for this up on the site. Uh, I mm-hmm. I hated this uh, for not not overall, but I hated this for the first probably five to seven minutes. I could not stand it because I, I was.
1: I gotta say this. I was really excited for this one just because I had no idea how it would go with you.
0: Well, I didn't know. You know, you, you told me about it, and I had no idea. I didn't read anything about it, I didn't know anything about it. I just went in completely cold. And for the first like seven minutes, I'm like, "What the f this is the the worst acting ever. I, what is going on here? It felt like a Tommy Wissell film or something. It, it felt like it felt like some kind of weird, uh, like training VHS tape that companies give out to new employees. It was just the the most horrid acting, and it not, like none of it made sense. I'll tell you the thing that turned turned it around for me was the Snapple scene towards the beginning. <laughs> that Snapple scene. That's uh, that's, that's
1: kind of I, I know honestly that's kind of what got me too. That's because I knew a little bit about this movie and what it was going for and everything and. Much like you at the beginning, it was kind of shaky ground. And I was like, man, I'm just not really, I'm not feeling this. And then when she says that she's so mellow and he he's like, oh, have some of my Snapple. It's just like, oh, there it is. There's yeah. the key that unlocks the door.
0: Yeah, that was, that was exactly what did it for me. When I realized this is some kind of weird, uh, like experimental comedy thing that's kind of... Uh, kind of poking fun at at these movies of of the 90s and then uh later on I looked I looked this up on IMDb and uh the tag at least the listed tagline here is uh find out what happens when people stop being real and start being polite <laughs> <laughs> which is the opposite of the real world <laughs> tagline so yeah it's um it's kind of weird it it definitely has a it, it almost feels like it's a, a parody or a satirical take on Richard Linkletter's slacker to me where yeah, it's I mean, just these uh, segments of college students who are on vacation and having conversations while on vacation. Yeah. But
1: I, <laughs> I just love the way that it works, that they're, they're constantly asking if it's, if it's part of their field research Everything that they do. The tree spirits. All, yeah, the tree spirit. Pony elders. Mm-hmm. Should I be talking to the pony elders? Uh, there's a lot of tough questions in there that need to be answered. But they're not. They're just completely, they just constantly, like every time that the movie you think, okay, like, oh, it's going to go somewhere. It just goes full into like music video mode. Mm-hmm. where And I think it needs to be said that the original soundtrack from the for this movie is just fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. And it's just because it kind of mirrors what they themselves are doing, where, you know, instead of doing any of their graduate work or any of their intellectual research or studying that they should be doing, they just keep having fun.
0: Yeah, they're just boogie boarding and... and... Fucking boogie boarding is <laughs> crucial. <laughs> they're just boogie boarding <laughs> like, it up.
1: When they ask her about her tree spirit, you know, like, what have you learned? And she, she's like go faster slow down stop and then it just smash cut to them just water skiing mm-hmm. for like 10
0: minutes <laughs> yeah I think this is one where once you get the joke once you're in on it then you can appreciate it a lot more
1: yeah once you settle into its rhythms there's fun there's definitely fun to be had it's just and of course you know with it being vignettes like, little episodes here and there. Obviously, some are stronger than others.
0: The one that was... that, that I did not like at all, and I thought was way... T- it was way longer than the others, was the one where they met up with the girls. Yeah. And, and had that where they were daring each other to do stuff. That one didn't work for me, except at the end where they show the koosh ball laying on the ground. That worked for <laughs> me. But, uh, but... They scooped it with the koosh ball. Yeah. But that that one... Felt longer than the others, and I was just ready for that one to be over. That that yeah. segment, I was like, "All right, I'm I'm done with this one," but the others, for the most part, I thought. And like, the
1: the two that were the strongest for me were obviously the fucking around with jeans. Yep. Oh my god. That was just <laughs> everything that happens in that segment.
0: That, that's the best one.
1: Like, why do they have so much nutmeg?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> Seth, ten bags of nutmeg. An
1: egregious amount of nutmeg to have. There's no need for that. Even though they're, you know, they're making like eight pies, which, again, why are you making that many pies? But pies are great. It's understandable. I don't know why you have like eight bags of nutmeg, though. Till so they, you know, get high. And then the guy just shows up, and he's talking about getting bags of jeans, which didn't make any sense. But yeah. I, I was for it. But they
0: gave me jeans <laughs> and
1: $100. You can't give me $100. And how she interjects, like, oh, is this field research? He's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> And just the uh, fact that the guy just looks at him and says, hey, you want to fuck around with some jeans? And then it just goes into a montage of them, literally, fucking around with jeans. Yeah. They're just, I mean, they're just fucking around with those jeans. They, ju- they do so many things with those jeans. Now, obviously, I didn't think they did enough with the jeans. They could have done, they could have fucked around with those jeans for much longer, and I would have been very happy. But, and then, the, you know, then you end up with pie comas. Everyone laying around with pie tins on their stomachs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. good stuff and the the basketball sequence because anytime i get to see more benny coopersmith in a film i mean this guy is just like the greatest character ever (laughs) his musings on michael jordan's basketball abilities was just fantastic yeah and the way that he just stops to check his beeper and then his brother shows up and then his brother promptly gives him a piggyback to dunk come on
0: i uh, yeah i like to I liked that scene too it's um it it almost reminds me of something that Adult Swim would put out
1: yeah, where it's just kind it of does.
0: weird it like it's comedy, but it's you don't know if it's un, unintentionally bad or just bad it's it's really weird it's it's kind of hard to hard to pigeonhole this one
1: it definitely is i mean <clears throat> for me, I don't know how it was for you. I did feel as though some of the comedy was a bit insular at times. And at arm's length, mostly just because I don't have like I don't, I never went to college and I'm not a part of like academia, so some of it didn't quite work for me because I was just kind of lost as to what is being talked about. Yeah. But outside of that, it still it still works. It's still pretty strong.
0: A lot of the dialogue was really was kind of hit or miss for me because, like Slacker, I pretty much forgot everything that was said. All the all the quasi deep conversations that they were having i pretty much forgot all that stuff as soon as i watched it because it was just pointless to me and but i don't know i i think that that's part of the design is yeah. they're they're talking about nothing you know they're they're trying to have these like deep philosophical conversations but it's really they're just talking about nothing <laughs> and i think i think that that's part of the part of the joke
1: yeah, and they just want to they just want to stop and get to that Get to the boogie boarding or fuck around with some jeans. Have some Snapples.
0: Some crystal clear Pepsi cocktails. I was, uh, I was really surprised that we didn't see any wine coolers being being consumed. Yeah, there was I was no wine fully coolers. expecting some, some B&J in there. Wine coolers.
1: Oh, man. B&J. <laughs>
0: Shit. There's a lot of 90s things in there a few times there were some 90s things just for the hell of it just to throw in some more 90s references which i thought was fun. i loved it in the basketball scene when they just broke down into song they're playing <laughs> basketball and they just started singing was that a, i think it was a mariah carey song oh, God. Uh, that was funny
1: yeah there's and then the. i just love the weirdness too of the of the, the laser tag sequence. Yeah, that was all It starts odd. off with, like, you keep cutting to it, and it's just, like, overly stylized, and it's just kind of random, and then it starts to
0: get really weird,
1: which I thought was fantastic. It's just, it's a good time. Yeah. I had a good time.
0: It's only 74 minutes long, so, which I was thankful for. I don't know if I could have t- taken much more. No. I think no. I think the length is is good probably could have even been a little bit shorter for me, but.
1: And I think that they kind of, it's almost as if they know what they're doing yeah. and easily outstay its welcome and kind of be, you know, start morphing into grading. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Something that Linkletter didn't seem to know in slacker.
1: Well, yeah. Cause I couldn't even get past five minutes. Actually. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like, Oh shit. It's just full on grading. No, thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I had to, Try several times to get through that one.
1: One of these days, I'll give it another shot. But I just need more uh, Benny Coopersmith. I'm just going to throw that out there. I Just have that guy talk. Just have him talk. Because everything he says is is humorous. Yeah. And he was in several... Even when he's not trying to be funny. He's just funny.
0: He was in several of those segments, wasn't he? Yeah. Because they mix it up. Like, sometimes certain people aren't in the segments. But I noticed that Blake is in a bunch of them.
1: Blake's in a lot.
0: Bro Estes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, jeez.
0: His name in real life is Bro Estes, and he plays a guy named Blake. I mean, what... This is, like, the most 90s-sounding <laughs> names ever.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: <sighs> yeah, L for Leisure. I recommend that. Um, go I recommend to... it as well. I
1: do... I love... Because this is on one you mentioned earlier on their website, but it's mm-hmm. through that B-H-X... Platform,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I just kind of discovered because of this, and I got to say, I like it. I like it a lot.
0: I feel like there was at least one other movie that I saw through that VHX platform. Maybe we, maybe something we we set. I think it was. It did
1: look kind of familiar.
0: I think maybe we got a couple different screeners through through that, but uh, yeah, I, I actually liked it too. So
1: I love the idea that you know it's essentially whatever you know, the money, the proceeds or whatever goes straight to them mm-hmm. and how they have a couple of different. Cause I think like with this movie, there's a package where you can buy it and you also get like the soundtrack. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. I definitely suggest checking out cause man, that soundtrack is something. Yeah. It's a re- it.
0: Yeah. It's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. If you're into like nineties kind of electronic fun. Poppy. Yeah. Very, Poppy very bubblegummy. Though. Alright, that's Elf for Leisure. You can check it out on the website. Uh probably if you just search for Elf for Leisure, you'll be able to put it in there. I'll I'll uh throw a link in the show notes later on for, for that one so you can find it. Uh what are you gonna give this one out of ten, Kevin? I give it a
1: seven and a half.
0: I'm gonna give this one a seven. Nice. Yep. I had uh, I had fun with it. It was definitely not what I expected. It was a little, little odd, and I gotta say, you you gotta warm up to it. You gotta warm up to kind of the shtick behind it, and mm-hmm. then and then I think you'll you'll appreciate it, especially if you appreciate those kind of weird Adult Swim esque things that yeah, they do if sometimes. Yeah, if
1: you can just if you can reach the right level of mellow, I think it'd oh, yeah. be good. You just I be mellow.
0: being mellow is actually key for enjoying this one so yeah just be mellow, mellow. Like, if you can find yourself good. some crystal crystal pepsi
1: or an ice cold snapple
0: yeah snapple Just
1: sit down lay back
0: all right let's move on talk about someone watching uh, why don't you start us off this week
1: okay i'll start i'll start us off uh one that i didn't really get to talk about last week but there is the uh review's been up there for a while uh unsung indie and that's ian clark's uh mmx I, 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 which I have, how do you, when you're doing Rome, Roman numerals, is that how you do it? You just say the the letters? I've uh, never had to do this before.
0: I don't know. I guess you either just say the letters or say 2013. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but if you just say 2013, then people may think that you're just referring to the numbers. So yeah. maybe you would just say MMXII. I don't know.
1: Which I think is an odd thing for me thirty one years old to be asking that question
0: well I, I would guess that a lot of people don't know the proper way to say that
1: plus I don't you know I mean maybe Google there's Google right there, like I could look it up in a matter of two seconds
0: and get maybe an you would just say two thousand thirteen, but just clarify that it's in Roman numerals, but yes. then again then again a lot of people that you talk to probably wouldn't know how to write that out in Roman numerals
1: no, probably not. Well, anyways, let's get to the film itself the uh this is oddly enough came out in twenty thirteen so I imagine there's some sort of correlation there uh this is uh an experimental film of sorts that's uh, relatively short. I think it's only like a little over an hour, and it's mostly about Ian Clark himself searching for like the perfect image trying to capture. Perfect shot, and it's a um, large majority of it is just um, still frames for a long durations of time, just fixed on one one image, maybe clouds, maybe a field, a mm-hmm. tree, something, and it just kind of lets the time go by and the the changes of light and everything. And then it starts to he starts to implement other. You see some like behind the scenes of them, like actually working and planning out the film that they're making. So then it starts to take this turn where it comes. The camera kind of goes into the search itself and kind of focuses on him trying to find these images, and it's just it's it provokes a lot of thought. At least for me, it did because I'm kind of obsessed with that myself. So that kind of obviously helped a little bit. But hmm. it's a very interesting film, and I mean, it's again, it's a little over an hour long, and it's you can watch it for free on uh, Vimeo. Okay. So I highly recommend this one. It's quite interesting.
0: All right, check that out, MMXIII. That's probably the best way to say it. Real quick the, like that. Well, the, because that's how you would you would yeah. want to search for that. You would
1: you type type it in that little address line there.
0: Right, right. I saw a documentary called Call Me Lucky. This is directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, and yeah. it's about the comedian uh, Barry Crimmins. Do you remember him? I he don't was, think I did. He was sort of big in the 90s. He was in the same kind of stand-up comedy scene as, like, uh, Patton Oswald and David Cross and Margaret Cho and Stephen Wright. He was kind of in that Boston comedy yeah. circuit. Um, obviously, Bobcat Goldthwait, too. Uh, really, really interesting documentary. It starts off as your typical kind of talking head doc about this comedian and his background and his work his, like his comedic style cuz he's also kind of an activist and obviously that bleeds over into his comedy and he mm-hmm. he's a uh, just a extremely extremely intelligent person and he loves to do comedy about like social and political issues and but he also does kind of activist work and so that's kind of the first part of the documentary then something happens there's some things that are revealed now people that that are familiar with Barry Crimmins probably already know a, a lot of a lot about this stuff because it's like it's all kind of public record at this point cuz he talks about it in his stand up and stuff but for for people like myself who didn't know uh it was quite a shocking twist that happens in this movie and the documentary kind of takes an extremely dark turn and turns into something that's completely different than your typical uh documentary about a comedian it's it's really interesting it's it's almost like you know how bobcat goldthwait in his films he they're always comedies but they have this kind of dark that he injects this kind of twisted dark uh tone into them you know He does that with almost all of his movies where there's this, like, twinge of of darkness to them. And somehow he's able to do that in a documentary. And it's uh, it's really interesting. I think that this is his first documentary that he's directed, and it's pretty damn good. I mean, there's, like I said, it's mostly talking head stuff, but he puts in a lot of really, uh, like, establishing shots and, like, kind of B-roll stuff that looks really good, how he frames it and stuff, and... There's some animation in there as well that's that's fun. So I definitely recommend this. You can see this on, um, I think it's on VOD right now. It's called Call Me Lucky. I think it came out on DVD and Blu-ray this, this past week. So, yeah, I would, I would recommend checking that out, especially if you're not familiar with, if you're into comedy, if you're into stand-up comedy, and you don't know who he is, uh, it is worth checking out. I think it'd be worth. I think you would like it, Kevin.
1: Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting.
0: I, I also like documentaries that start off as one thing and end as another thing.
1: Just completely shift.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what this does, so it's, uh, yeah, it's well worth a look. Excellent documentary. Call me All lucky. Right.
1: Okay. okay. I watched the uh, a classic horror movie.:
0: what? first
1: one of October.: What? watch out. Kevin's on his hair, he's got one down. <laughs> Uh, I watched The Omen, 1976, Richard Donner, Gregory Peck, Lee Remnick. Uh, Yeah, this is, uh, it's not really what I thought it was going to be. Like, I was fully expecting this kid, you know, the Antichrist, Mm -hmm, mm Damien. You know, it's so ingrained in the culture that I kind of had this expectation built up around, you know, everything that I've seen without actually seeing the movie. Right. So I thought, this kid was gonna be evil shit. And he was gonna be creepy. He was just gonna be absolutely terrible. Really, the kid—he—he's a kid. Like, it's not that frightening. Mm. I, was, I was wholly let down, to be quite honest. It was just more about—I didn't know—it was more about dogs and like devil dogs. Devil dogs. But devil dogs. There's just for me, there—there wasn't that much. There's—I didn't. There's no atmosphere. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't terrifying. It wasn't horrifying. It was just a slightly interesting film about the Antichrist. And it, <clears throat> one of the things that I thought was fairly interesting was the, uh, how he kind of comes across all of this through the, the journalist photographer taking pictures and kind of getting this, like the omen of what's going to happen to people. And it, when he shares it with, gregory peck and it becomes it's pretty good when it's working in that vein where it's kind of this investigative drama but the thing that i don't understand is with this guy being able to take pictures of how people are going to die is how does gregory peck not immediately say like okay let's take pictures of everyone i know and love so we can know what's going to happen yeah but he does he doesn't do that instead he goes to rome and tries to figure out where this kid came from uh I, to me, it was okay. I was I was really let down, really let down, to be honest.
0: Hmm.
1: Just I don't know what I'm missing here.
0: Well, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember anything about this movie, so I can't, I can't tell there you. you it's it's definitely not like one of my go-to horror movies to recommend to people or anything. So yeah, yeah,
1: it's definitely not on my list either.
0: It was a eh. That's the omen. Eh. Eh. <laughs> Maybe maybe one of the many sequels will do it for you. the one with uh what's his name, Sam Neill? maybe that one. Maybe. I think that's the omen third so
1: and it starts off pretty good one, like when the first thing happens' because you have this dog just like staring down the nanny, and I'm just like, oh shit, this is about like demonic dogs like telepathically telling people to do terrible things. What a concept. And then she either, like hangs herself from the top of the the house mm-hmm. smashes into the window and it's like, oh shit. This is a great way to get things started, but then it that like that was the high point, and it never really went anywhere, and just became disappointing.
0: Um, I saw Goosebumps.
1: Oh, you got them goosebumps?
0: Yep. I so I went to see Goosebumps. Had a great time with it. Honestly, I I thought it was it was pretty fun. There were definitely problems with it, but it felt like a kind of throwback, old school family. Halloween film and I kind of liked it for that it it was similar to you know I mean not on the same level as Monster Squad but definitely had a kind of similar vibe to it where it was it was a horror movie but it was still fun it wasn't scary at all and uh it was way funnier than I expected like I there were many times that I was laughing out loud at this movie there were some stupid jokes there were some like dumb gag like visual gags but the the dialogue was surprisingly funny and oh you know, there there's some pretty funny people in in this uh what's her name crap she's in she was in um i think her name's Jillian Bell yes yes Jillian Bell she was in um 22 Jump Street and she was in uh she's in Workaholics She's really oh, funny, yeah, yeah. she's really funny, and she's she's funny in this as well. Jack Black does a decent job. he's kind of funny, I guess in it <laughs> like he he was okay it's just
1: essentially with Jack Black, what you want is for him to just not go too far with it,
0: yeah, and he doesn't and he, you're okay and, and he does it in this because of the character he plays, he plays this kind of curmudgeony you know shut in as yeah. R.L. Stein, so uh, that that actually kind of worked for me and, um, yeah, the rest of it was okay. There was like a big twist that happens that I saw a mile away that I predicted from the very, very beginning so that wasn't a big deal to me. Uh, Ken Marino's in it for about three seconds and it felt like his stuff got cut. It felt like there were some things that got cut out of his. He's kind of a love interest for uh, Amy Ryan's character who plays uh, the main kid's uh, mom and ken marina is sort of this love interest he works at the school where she works and it it felt weird because he's he has like three lines in the whole movie and it, it almost seems as if they cut some stuff out there a lot of people are calling this movie sexist which i just i can't i just can't see that where it's a kid's movie you know like just why can't we just let it be a fun kid's movie
1: is it like actually sexist uh,
0: I don't think so. A lot of people are saying because all the females in the movie are in distress the whole time, and it's the guys that need to rescue them constantly. Uh, but, you know, when I was watching it, I didn't notice that. I didn't think about that. I was just having fun at a family film. Yeah. You know? Uh, the special effects, not great. Some, some of them are actually quite good. The scene with the when the gnomes, the garden gnomes, are attacking them, that all looked really good but there's a uh, there's like a scene with a werewolf and a yeti and a giant praying mantis and those were not great if you're into the goosebumps books obviously tons of references to pretty to pretty much all the big goosebumps books not say cheese and die though i was, I was disappointed no no say cheese and die reference which was my favorite one oh, man so i'd say you know if uh if you have kids Go check it out. If you were a fan of the Goosebumps books and you want some nostalgia, check it out. It's not nearly as bad as I expected it to be. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. So, Goosebumps in theaters.
1: Uh, Nice. Uh, I have two short films that I watched, both from uh, director Ricky D'Ambros. Pilgrims. Which is the first one of his, and then the one that came out this year. They just—it might still be on nobudget.com. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know how long it was supposed to be on there, but that's where I watched it. So, and I have a review up for six Cents in the Pocket," which has a link in there, so you can check and see if it's still there. But uh, this is this is quite something. 14 minutes long. Played, I think, the New York Film Festival, and it got a little bit of buzz out of there. And then finally getting to check it out on no budge. And I got to say, I was impressed between this and Pilgrims. And they're both kind of the same style. It's It's got this uh, Brisson feel, but in my eyes, much better, much more refined. And man, it's different. It's really different. And that's probably the number one thing that I love about it is it's really difficult to try and find something that's comparable to what you're seeing style wise. I mean, the closest that I can come would be like a contemporary, like, uh, like sabbatical. It kind of feels like that. And it's, it has this, like, really somber tone to it, but it's kind of playful at the same time. Hmm. It's a, it's different. I highly suggest it. I think it's, I mean, even at 14 minutes, it's one of my favorite films of the year.
0: And this is specifically Six Cents in a Pocket that you're talking about. Yeah. In the, in the I mean,
1: Pilgrims is a lot. It's, It's a lot of like with uh, Six Cents in the Pocket. It's you know the same exact style, the same kind of structure, but Six Cents in the Pocket is just uh, a more refined version of it. I mean, the storyline's a little bit different, but the style is definitely more refined. Mm. And it's just a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an improvement from Pilgrims. Pilgrims is still a decent short, but leaps and bounds better with uh, Six Cents in the Pocket.
0: Now, uh, are both of those on No Budge? Both of them are on No If you go to the link
1: that has Six Cents in the pocket, you can watch that there. And then in their little blurb about the film, there's a link for Pilgrims in there. Oh, okay. So you can see both of them.
0: Cool. So check that out. I'll, I'm going to give those a watch today since they're uh, short and breezy.
1: Short and breezy?
0: I saw The Green Inferno by Eli Roth. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, not a big fan of this one unfortunately i like and i've talked about cannibal movies on the show before i like cannibal movies of the early 80s the only problem i had with all of them is they all almost every single one of them in fact i think maybe every single one of them contained real animal killings and those were always the big turnoff about that fortunately the green inferno does not feature any real animal killings but the the influences are there i mean the the Green Inferno is the same title as one of those cannibal movies and it's the problem that I have with Eli Roth's movies is he likes to employ a very slow build up. He he likes to establish the characters, he likes to establish the relationships of the characters, he builds the plot and then he releases the fury. The problem is the the characters are always bland and generic and the dialogue is always bad it's always just the most laughable dialogue and and recently the actors that he's been uh, employing mainly his wife and, and and I apologize but they're just not very good actors they're just not very good and his wife is not she's not horrible he's he's married to Lorenzo Izo, who's She's in this. She was in Aftershock, which he didn't direct, but he, like, produced it and was in it. And she's in Knock Knock. She's one of the two girls in Knock Knock. Um, it just, it just turns you off of the whole movie before, before it really even gets into it. Now, what happens in this movie is it's a group of, uh, students, college students who are in this kind of activist group and they end up flying to Peru in order to protest, uh, Loggers, I believe people that are, that are stripping the, the forest mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they do that when they're leaving their, their plane crashes and everything after that plane crash is pretty exciting. The, the plane crash itself is brutal and horrific and very, very effective. And then obviously what happens is they, the, the survivors of the plane crash end up getting captured by a, a cannibal tribe who, is starts eating that and that stuff it's gory it's really really gory and disturbing and some of that's it's pretty effective so overall it's really hit or miss for me i like this a lot more than knock knock and i will say that it is his the best of his visually but i think that a lot of that is due to the fact that he actually went to peru in the rainforest and and was that's where he shot yeah uh the other thing that I give this movie credit for is the fact that he actually used a real tribe down there to be the tribe in the movie, so it feels very real the you know it doesn't feel like actors wearing you know tribal gear and and pretending to be this native tribe. it really is a native tribe, and that really sells it so you know if you if you like Eli Roth's previous films, I would say check it out, but don't expect anything amazing in the way. Like this probably won't land on my top ten horror movies of the year list or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So good year overall for
1: Eli Roth between Knock Knock and The Green Inferno for you?
0: No. No. Oh. No. Not not a good year for Eli Roth. I I still want to like him for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe because he's always been kind of a champion of the horror genre, and I and I like that he he's sort of like not not talent wise or skill wise but he's sort of like Tarantino where he all his movies are you know very clearly influenced by classic exploitation and horror films yeah
1: which but, I think but, might also be his problem <laughs> yeah
0: but it, but it also recently he's been having a very his his voice is becoming a lot more clear i mean he's being clearly influenced by uh, his experiences in Chile and his wife and cause they all have this kind of like Chilean vibe to them now. So I, I don't know, but it just makes me actually want Tarantino to do a horror movie. I, I want Quentin Tarantino to do a horror movie so bad. But... <laughs> anyway, that's the green inferno. Um, do you have anything else?
1: Nope. Oh, that's it. That's all I got.
0: Yeah. Uh... I did see Tales of Halloween, but I'm gonna save that till next week. We're gonna do a Halloween show next week where we uh, review a bunch of horror movies, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the only other one I'll mention is a film called Bloody Knuckles. This comes out this week, I believe, on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, and it's a it's a it's a horror movie of sorts, a horror comedy. Think think Idle Hands. Remember Idle Hands?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, I yeah. do
0: think idle hands with more of a uh, more of a message behind it so basically the, the the film is about this guy who is a he's a cartoonist and he has this uh this this magazine where he kind of uh, is a very politically incorrect magazine where he pokes fun at uh, various issues and things like that and one issue, he ends up pissing off the Chinese triad that's in his neighborhood, and they come and they cut his hand off in order to censor him or, or send him a warning, essentially, and it turns out that the hand ends up getting this uh, chemical on it that makes it come to life, and the hand starts running amok through throughout oh, this, this no. dude's life, and it, it starts going after the triad, and it does it, all this other stuff, and... You know, I wasn't expecting much from this one, but I actually I actually kind of liked it quite a bit. I mean, it is it's very low-brow, but it it's it's just fun. It was just a fun movie. It's really gory, a lot of uh all the all the effects works practical for the most part and uh it's it's okay. It's okay. It's it's good for the budget that this movie has. Very low budget movie. The um all the work with the hand the, the the severed hand that's running around that all looked yeah. really good like i was i was pretty impressed with how they did that so okay. uh when that comes out this week i would actually recommend checking it out it's called bloody knuckles oh boy yeah let's uh move on and talk about some predictions last week goosebumps i said 69 you said 68 actual 71 on that wow 71 on the goosebumps Crimson Peak, I said 86. You said 70. Actual 68. Oh. Yeah, I was uh, hmm. a little bit off on that one. I guess I just had high hopes. I have not seen that yet, but hopefully next week that will be one of the ones we're going to talk about. Bridge of Spies, I said 82. You said 78. Actual 92 Whoa. On, the, on the Bridge of Spies. Wow. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what we got coming up next week. Next week in theaters, we have... The Last Witch Hunter. Oh, it's the one with Vin Diesel. Yeah, hunting some witches.
1: Get them witches.
0: This one looks absolutely awful to me.
1: It looks terrible. Looks really terrible. I'm sorry.
0: Elijah Woods in this. I didn't even know he was in this. I don't even think. I don't even know if he's in the tra- any of the trailers or anything for this.
1: I think he is. He's like is a he? he's like a priest. I think. Oh yeah yeah yeah. A man that's like yeah. I've been waiting my whole life to help you.
0: Yeah, I remember that now. What are you thinking on the last Witch Hunter?
1: I'm thinking 38.
0: 38? Yeah. I'm going to say 34. Uh, we also have Gem and the Holograms. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gem boy.
1: And the Holograms.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say 27 on that one.
1: I'm going to say 20.
0: That looks so bad. So bad. Why wouldn't you make it If you're making a Gem in the Holograms movie, why wouldn't you make it in the 80s, first of all? And why wouldn't... And and I just... I don't get that. I don't get that at all. If they made it in the 80s, I think it would have worked a lot better. Because then people that actually grew up with the show would want to go see that. But as it stands, the the target audience of Gem in the Holograms the movie... They're not going to know what the hell Gem in the Holograms is. I barely remember that show.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that kind of worries me a little bit is you have Gem in the Holograms, right, written by a guy, so the screenplay's by a guy, and it's directed by a guy. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Well, how did we let that happen?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That one doesn't look very good. We also have Paranormal Activity... Ghost Dimension, now this is actually only getting a limited release next week, but it's on like 1,300, almost 1,400 screens, so it's like kind of a limited release, but kind Why, of a wide my, release.
1: My wife was telling me yesterday that a lot of places are boycotting it, they're like refusing to show it.
0: Yes, um, I think Regal is not... It should, sh- good on you. Well, it's not, it's not due to content or anything, it's... Well, yeah, yeah. It's because of a deal that they cut with VOD providers or something. Uh, there's a shortened, there's a shortened span of time that it's going to be in theaters versus VOD. So theater owners were are were pissed about that. So that's why, that's why some th- theater I was, chains. I
1: thought it was more based on they were just sick and tired of having too many paranormal activities, and they're just like, no, nope,
0: nope. no, no. Unfortunately, no. No. It's just due to the weird. Well, in my head I'm gonna
1: keep it I'm gonna keep it that way.
0: We're gonna predict That's... we're gonna go ahead and predict it anyway. So yeah. uh what are you thinking on paranormal activity ghost dimension? Six. <laughs> I love how quick you were on that six. I'm gonna say twelve. <laughs> wow.
1: 12. I didn't love the tagline for the ter- for the first time. You will see the activity. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> we didn't see the excuse activity me. before <laughs> excuse me can you explain that a little bit please oh my god what a nightmare what have we been doing this entire time <laughs> this is like the sixth one of them what are we, what's going on we, we, what is this activity that we, we haven't seen
1: around. Just been digging around apparently,
0: oh Jesus Christ, and limited release next week, we also have Rock the Casbah. that's the one with bill Murray suffragette the uh women's suffrage movement one that uh, doesn't doesn't look great to me. It's the one with Meryl Streep and um I don't know, I don't know what to think about that one. Are you interested in that one?
1: Yeah, I don't know, I haven't really seen much for it.
0: I haven't heard too much about it, so.
1: I just yeah. get the sense that it's one of those kind of standard historical yeah yeah by the book bullet points just mm-hmm. hit them
0: yeah probably it is a, i think it is a, like a fictionalized uh take on that like as far as the characters and stuff but uh so we also have a uh, different it's the one that's um uh pr- it's like prom- being promoted by Angelina Jolie but uh i, I don't really know too much about it. We also have Heart of a Dog. I want to see this one. This looks this looks quite good. Are you interested in that one. Have you seen anything about that one? Heart of a Dog. I
1: have not. I think maybe I've heard of it.
0: Check it out. I think that it's it's kind of right up here. It's like this experimental, weird, uh, art house type movie. So that's it
1: has a character named Man Hit by Duck.
0: <laughs> yeah. It looks it looks weird, but it also looks. Looks really interesting. So it
1: immediately piques my interest.
0: Yeah, watch the trailer for that one. I think you'll be sold. Okay. Uh, Bone Bone Tomahawk with Kurt oh, Russell. That's a great title. I heard uh, I heard many good things about this one, so I'm gonna be checking this one out next week. I'm I'm excited for it. Kurt Russell being a badass. I think he's fighting cannibals in it or something. I'm I'm totally sold. Uh, Nasty Baby. That's the one with Kristen Wiig. Very interested in this one. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be kind of weird. Like it, uh. It's the one by the guy that did, um. The. Yeah. Magic, Magic, uh, well, right? Yes. And, Magic, uh, Magic and the Crystal Fairy. Yeah. Yeah. I always uh, have
1: a difficult time remembering those films.
0: So, so do I. Because they came out back to back and they were just. And they were know. both meh. Yeah, they were both meh. Well, Magic, Magic was way better in my opinion, but. Uh, I Smile Back, which is the one with Sarah Silverman. The It's a drama with Sarah Silverman. Sounds kind of interesting. Tokyo Tribe, which we reviewed last week. Uh, we both liked that one. And Clinger, which was uh, one that I saw at a festival a long time ago that I cannot recommend. It's a horror comedy. Ah. Oh, so many horror comedies. God
1: some comedies
0: next week on VOD we have Tokyo Tribe Bone Tomahawk A Wonderful Cloud and All Work All Play the All Work All Play one was uh that's about professional video gamers so I'm, I may I may check it out but uh, uh, yeah, if I have time alright what do we have on VOD or uh Blu-ray next week we have Jurassic World yeah. Back to the Future Trilogies coming out on Blu-ray they're, oh they're they're cashing in on that, that, um, they sure are. that whole Back to the Future, that everybody's cashing in. Everybody is cashing in on that. Because next week is the day that Marty and Doc went to the future in Back to the Future Part 2. Oh boy. So we're seeing all kinds of crazy Back to the Future stuff. The, the Pepsi, did you see that they're coming out with the Pepsi that was from Back to the Future Part 2? Yeah, I'll buy one just for the hell of it. It's fun. I love Back to the Future Part Two. It's my favorite one. So it's also the 30th anniversary of the original Back to the Future.
1: Quick question: Do you think it's probably time I should watch
0: those? Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait. Hold the phone. Okay. You've you've never seen yeah. any of them?
1: I think I've seen a good bit of the first one.
0: Oh my God. I
1: think. I don't yes,
0: know. Kevin. Yes, it is time a, to see the Back to the Future it's movies. Something
1: that I should be doing. Are
0: you sure? Absolutely. I I absolutely love... Part 1 and 2, I love. Part 3 is a meh for me. But Part 1 and 2 are incredible. They're classics. They're classics. I'll try and do that. Yes. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Another one that's coming out on Blu-ray next week is the Larry Fassenden collection. I'm interested in this one. This is a collection of his films from 1991 to 2006. Uh, let's see. I'm looking to see what titles are included in this. It looks like No Telling from 1991, Habit from 95, uh, When to Go from 2001, and The Last Winter from 2006. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm interested in that. I like Larry Facetin. Uh Let's see what else. Paper Towns, I Spit on Your Grave three, no. uh, Frightmares coming out. Uh, that's from 1983. That's getting a Scream Factory release from the looks of it. Z for Zachariah, Zechariah. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> the Vatican tapes. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Looks like the Wolfpack coming out on Blu-ray. They have a, uh, they're doing a gallery show next week that I'm going to be going to check out. You going to
1: go check that out?
0: Yeah, it sounds, it looks like it's going to be kind of interesting. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. What do we have in the way of criterions? We
1: have one criterion. One. And that's a Blu ray re release of Quaidan. You- Saki Kobayashi's from 1965.
0: You were into that one, weren't you?
1: I was into that one. Cool. It's a nice little. Uh, I can't. I Man, I haven't seen this one in a while. But uh, this version is the original three hour cut that was never before released in the United States. So that's pretty interesting. Plus, it'll also be coming out on the Hulu Plus and iTunes, along with the dual format Blu-ray/DVD.
0: Cool. I'm excited to see. This just reminded me of it. The uh, that movie, the new Draft House one that uh, they are re-releasing, Dangerous Men. Have you seen that? The trailer.
1: Seen a little bit. I haven't seen the trailer yet, though.
0: Oh, you gotta watch the trailer for that. Oh my God, I'm I'm so amped for that one. It's gonna be ridiculous. Alright, uh, I think that that's gonna do it for this week Thank you so much for tuning in Send us your questions and topics To podcast at filmpulse.net You can follow us on Twitter At filmpulse.net And at filmpulsekevin And please take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page Patreon.com slash filmpulse And consider helping us out By becoming a subscriber For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson And we will see you on Thursday For Ryan Watches a Movie Uh-oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Did> you, <laughs> you just set off a fire alarm? <laughs> yeah. One you're second. S- you're so mellow.
1: I'm not mellow anymore. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Right. Good situation handled. <laughs> nice. <laughs>